Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Steve. It's another wonderful day. Did we, we didn't coordinate our colors today. Um, it always happens, though, and I swear. <laughs> Whether it even it could be same. pink, it could be purple, it could be green, teal. I know, but Deb's just, looking going. I don't think they're that coordinated. I could tell she's thinking that right it's now. A, but you it's know, more, I mean, you know the history of style and fashion here. So, but <laughs> I think you guys look totally on point. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Deb. And you're just hearing from Deb Alfaro, who's founder and creator of Let's Talk Women's Health and Wellness. Good to see you, Deb. Oh my gosh, everything old is new again. This is wonderful. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> We Thank worked you. together early on in my career uh, with Deb and the Susan G. Komen Foundation, important work she did there. She's always involved in something meaningful and impactful. Deb, to tell everyone what Let's Talk is. The graphic will be put up so people can find out more, please. I'd be happy to. And, and I'll begin by saying these words, path to purpose. Um, and I believe in path to purpose. So let's talk. Women's Health and Wellness was a brain burst that I experienced when I was recovering from my number two, as I endearingly refer to it, WTF breast cancer diagnosis. After 33 years of being cancer-free from my first breast cancer diagnosis in 1988, who knew that, you know, you never know what tomorrow brings. So this was a second diagnosis, um, not a reoccurrence. And that really, really matters because it frightens women to think of the possibility of a reoccurrence. So um, being diligent for all of those years, literally living in the space for all of those years, having the privilege of running an affiliate of Komen for the Cure, I knew a lot. In 1988, not so much. Didn't know so much. In 2021, eh, probably knew too much. It was rather scary to think that um, so many years later um, that I would face another diagnosis. But here's what really stands out. Once again, I had resources. I had relationships. I had support, I had family, friends, everything that you could possibly do, the winning formula to endure whatever was gonna lie ahead for me. So who knew? Um, the hardest decision I had to make was which of the exceptional outstanding doctors would I choose? Imagine that, imagine that I knew so many. And so how's it relate to let's talk? So let's talk happened, as I said, uh, I think the both of you um, know this about me. I don't sit still. I need to be, you know, moving and grooving. So as I was sitting still recovering, I said, I know, I know it, it, it's come to me. My brain exploded. And I said, um, we've been in the thick of this pandemic, not really even knowing what the world was going to do from one day to the next. And I thought women have really, through no choice of their own, neglected their health and wellness. Right. And I felt that there needed to be a way to create a day to bring women together 
um, and gather and talk and trust and learn. And so I looked at my partner, my husband, um, my Joe B. And I said, you know what? I'm going to build a symposium. And his initial <laughs> reaction was, there she goes again. Oh, oh my God. What? Where are we going with this? So him being the financial brain, he goes, do you know how much money you're going to have to raise? I said, Joe B. Do you know how much money we're going to have to raise? <laughs> that's how it works, doesn't it? Steve, that you sure told does. me to move my hands like this, by the way, a long time ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. So do you know how much money we're going to have to raise? And he's like, huh, of course we are. And truth be told, um, I have the opportunity and the privilege to sit on the board of women at NJPAC. So I love Newark. I love that space. I love what's happening in Newark. And I said, there's only one place to host an event of what I know will be on a grand scale, NJPAC. So in Joe B's head, he's going ka-ching, ka-ching, yup. And I said, but that's where it belongs because NJPAC is a come one, come all. It just, it's inclusive. And I am that person that has never stopped believing in health equity. And What's I that day, that, uh, Deb? Well, What's yeah, that day? Oh, October 21st. It's a Saturday. It's going to be a bright, sunny Saturday in October. <laughs> this will be year two. Great. And Deb, I just, just because, uh, you know, I just want to manage time as well. I would love for you to tell any women watching today, young, medium, old, what, whatever age, what what will happen if they go onto the website, which we're going to put on the screen, what mm. will they be doing when they go to NJPAC on October 21st? Oh, thank you, Mary. Great, great question. So this is what your day is going to likely look, look like. Um, you're going to be welcomed onto the campus. There is going to be a glam van, move over breast cancer, which um, is a mission-driven van that when you're not feeling so great during chemotherapy, it just mm -hmm. elevates you and makes you feel whole again. So you're welcomed. You're brought into the glorious lobby. There's color everywhere. There's It screams happy because we took into serious consideration that women will be coming with a lot of mixed feelings. Some will be all about it. Some will be Mm, kind of anxious, a little trepidation. So we wanted to just feel the balance mm. the minute they walked through the door. And there'll be a fabulous, healthy, healthy breakfast. There'll be vendors in the lobby. Um, I'll encourage people to drink matcha. And most of my friends will be like, there <laughs> she goes again, that green drink. But, but truth be told, um, we want to set a tone of wellness immediately. And one of the really important sidebars is that there's something that we call our ambassador ticket, which is a $250 ticket where you get a ticket and you give a ticket to a sister. Mm. Um, and that matters, as I said to you, health equity matters hugely to me. And um, we want to make sure that there is no one that is left out because of a financial hardship. So 
the day begins, there's music, there's entertainment from the arts ed kids that are so incredibly talented. Last year, we had music, we had movement, we had, you know, we just created a place where you felt peaceful. Because again, you know, we're going to talk about the hard stuff. We're going to talk about things that make you uncomfortable because that's the only way we're going to get ahead of things instead of this stuff getting ahead of us. And, and that's on the 21st of October. We're also going to try to air this segment uh, on our one-on-one -on -one program as well to, to put more eyeballs on it. And the reason is Deb's talking about a whole range of wellness-related issues, but one of the other themes for this Let's Talk Women's Health and Wellness Day also involves uh, behavioral health, mental health, a huge theme. Deb, that's an important day, the 21st of October at NJPAC, New Jersey Performing Arts Center. John Schreiber, our good friends down there, right, Deb? There's only one place to host this. And yes, it's um, the hospitality is exceptional. That's right, Steve. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, NJ, NJPAC is our longtime partners and friends down there. To Deb Alfaro, the founder uh, and creator of Let's Talk Women's Health and Wellness. Deb, we wish you all the best. It's going to be a great day. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. You got it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia. More than water. Resourcing the world. Lessons in Leadership is honored to be joined by the Honorable Reverend DeForest Buster Soares Jr., President, Corporate Community Connections, Inc., and also was the senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Lincoln Gardens for 31 years. Reverend, 31 years. In one place. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank we you for joining us, my friend. Thank you, Steve. Good to see you. We'll put up the website for Corporate Community Connections. Tell everyone what it is and why it's so impactful in the community. Well, I work with corporations and connecting them with underserved communities to bring resources that otherwise wouldn't exist and to help corporations expand their corporate social responsibility. Hmm. You know, Reverend Soares uh, is connected. We're connected to him in so many ways. He's wired all over the place, all over the country. One of the last times we saw each other um, was when we worked together at Fedway, one of our longtime partners, the Fedway Leadership Academy that uh, our company, Stand and Deliver, has been doing leadership development for many years. And, and it's interesting, Reverend Soares and I, we do this Q&A in front of all the candidates in the academy. Do we, 
Reverend, do we ever prep or talk beforehand? Never. <laughs> we we never talk. Well, we, we, we don't prep for that session, but what you do in your life and what I do with my life is a constant state of preparation. Yeah, talk about that because it's so interesting. Reverend Soares comes in and he's so easy to engage because he not only knows what he wants to say, but he also connects with those candidates in, in the Leadership Academy, just like he connected with his congregation for so many years. You talked about how, do this again for us, Reverend. It's one thing to be so engaging in a conversation, in an interview or whatever it is like this or in the Academy, Fedway Leadership Academy. But real quick, could you tell folks watching on Lessons in Leadership how you prepared for your sermon? I, I think you're really aspiring to be a Baptist preacher because you ask me this question <laughs> as often as you can. Well, as you know, uh, being a Baptist pastor, I'm preaching to the same crowd every Sunday. And for years, we had three services, uh, one at seven, one at nine, one at 11. And uh, you, you don't want to just recite slogans. You want to be re relevant. You have to be ready. And so every Sunday morning after I would deliver my Sunday morning message, I'd go home, I'd get some rest, and then I'd begin working on next Sunday, Sunday night. I wouldn't go to bed on Sunday night until I knew what point I wanted to make next Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I'd spend Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday perfecting that point, fleshing out my proposition, answering my relevant questions. And then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I would literally live with the message. Thus, by Sunday, the message was really a part of me, so much so that by Wednesday, I literally couldn't remember what I preached last Sunday because I was so focused on next Sunday. Real so quick, preparation. What do you mean live, I'm sorry for interrupting. What do you mean live with the message? It became a part of me. It wasn't just an intellectual message, but it was a part of my being. It became a part of my personality. It, it became a part of my personal narrative because I believe communications starts with the message the communicator communicates with him or herself. And if the, the message does not resonate between me and me, then it probably won't stick with the audience. And so I have to have a message that I feel is impactful for me, for my life. I've got to have stories that inspire me. I've got to have words that relate to me. So, so in, in many ways, Steve, the audience, for, for public speakers, the audience is really overhearing a, a conversation between the speaker and him or herself. Mary, how long have we been preaching that to our, to our, to our students and participants? They're freaked out, Reverend Sorry, yeah. about having to make a speech or a presentation. And we always ask them, what do you care deeply about? Well, what do you mean? I have to memorize a speech. No, you don't. You have to tell us what you care deeply about and why we should care. Uh, Mary, jump in, because I know that you've been wanting to talk to Reverend for a while. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And I'm just so honored to have you here with us. And you talk about the message that you're sharing. And I think there is a lot of correlation between whether you're talking to the people in your church or also people in business, right, or the community for that matter. When it comes to getting buy-in of these messages, you're going in there, you have this message, you want people to follow in such a way that you're preaching something that is so important to you. How do you get buy-in from your team, from your congregation around these very important messages? Well, it doesn't matter if the audience is a church, if the audience is a, an academic institution, if the audience is a corporate group. You, you start by understanding what, what their needs are, what their goals are, what their aspirations are. Otherwise, you're talking to yourself. And so you want to understand what the issues are, what what 
what the triggers are for that particular audience. I was with, in North Carolina last week speaking to a group of bankers, and it was important to me that I understood their priorities. And once I understood their priorities, then I could shape my message around not just motivating, but educating them on strategies that they had never considered. You know, as I listen to Reverend Suri's, there's a chapter in uh, my, book, my book, Lessons in Leadership. And by the way, let's make sure we put up information because the Reverend has so many terrific books that are out there around leadership and connecting. And it's much deeper than my stuff, I'll tell you that. Uh, Reverend, I want to follow up on something. One of the themes that you talked about at the Fedway Leadership Academy and that you, you've talked about before is, I learned, there's a quote from you, I learned to accept problems as opportunities to create solutions. Please talk about that. Well, you know, some of the best business minds will inform us that a successful business is a business that solves a problem. And if, if the problem is known, then you approach marketing your product or marketing your service one way. If the, if the problem is unknown, like the iPhone, we didn't know we needed smartphones. <laughs> Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs told us we needed this. <laughs> now, how do we live without them? Yeah, he convinced us that the flip phone was a problem and he had the solution. So what happens is every problem is an opportunity. What's a problem for one is an opportunity for another. And that, that opportunity then lends itself to creating a solution. And that solution becomes not only a message, but it also becomes an enterprise. It becomes a product. It becomes an opportunity for, for business. That's, that's the beauty of America is that every opportunity has a, an avenue towards solving that problem. So it's, it's, it really is what makes America just the superior experience in the world. Reverend, does that also include the so-called post-COVID experience? COVID created opportunities. It's a horror, it was a horrible problem. So many people lost their lives, families were devastated, businesses went under, but there's a quote unquote opportunity there. If so, talk about it. Well, as a pastor, I'll tell you the very first thing I did when COVID shut down the building, I invited the members of my congregation who were younger to adopt the members of my congregation who were older. I had a fast growing church. I got there, it was about 800 members. By the time COVID hit, we had about 7,000 members. You can appreciate the fact that most of them don't know each other and right. they gravitate towards the people in their own demographic. But this was a tremendous opportunity to create a cross-generational, intergenerational connect, which is harder and harder to find. We, we are, we, we are slow iced into these demographic groups and never the twain shall meet, unfortunately. And we had young professionals calling seniors who were homebound, single, and that created a dynamic in the church where a problem created a solution and the church became a stronger church. Not only did we have that adopt a senior initiative, but we started feeding people in the neighborhood and folks who had never volunteered before ended up volunteering to feed people in public housing around the church. So in that sense, for our congregation specifically, COVID really represented opportunities because of, of the tremendous problems by not only illness, but sheltering in place, et cetera. Then look at the larger community. Look at, look at the young people who now were useful in many ways because their churches, their jobs, their families needed to use technology. 
it was just marvelous to go around from church to church and see these teenagers hooking up the stream, helping older people know how to find the service on Facebook, YouTube, and so yeah. many of them found their place in institutional settings, not only in religious institutions, but even in the workplace, because many of the technology solutions that sustained us during COVID were really executed by younger people who grew up in the digital age rather than older people who often feared digital technology. Before I let you go, Reverend, you, you told a story at uh, the Fedway Leadership Academy um, that I just want, I don't want to tell the whole story, but there's a point here. Reverend Story has told uh, folks in the academy how we first met you know, back, back, back in the day, right? That's even before back in the day. And so, well, he described me the way he described me, uh, pretty brash, <clears throat> confident, cocky, inappropriately so, at 25 years of age, running for the state legislature, looking for Reverend Sori's support in the great city of Montclair that I'm, a, I'm proud to, to live in, and the Reverend made such a difference here. And here's the point of the question. I know how arrogant and cocky I was and full of myself at 25. I want to believe I've evolved just a little bit as a leader over time in, in, in some positive ways. Biggest change, improvement in you as a leader over these last few years, many years, that makes you a better leader is? Patience. I've become much more patient. When I was younger, not only did I believe I could change the world, I thought I could do it before the weekend. And <laughs> I expected things to happen quickly. I expected things to move in alignment with the need. And over the years, what I've learned is that, A, you probably won't change the whole world and B, whatever part of the world you'll change, it won't happen quickly. It happens over time. And you have to really settle into incremental growth, incremental change. And that's true either with relationships, with social justice, with economic outcomes. You have to pace yourself and appreciate the small changes that ultimately will accumulate and turn into big change. Reverend, thank you. As always, I learned from you. We all do. Thank you, Reverend Soares. Thank you. Thank you. Nice seeing you, Mary. You too. Reverend, I'm not as arrogant as I used to be, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask your team. <laughs> Leave that alone. Reverend, Reverend Soares, thank you. Which is Steve out of bottle son. So, you know, you have to take that into account. The, the context does matter. not fall far. <laughs> we'll be back after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world. Choose New Jersey and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com. NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia, 
more than water, resourcing the world. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Um, Reverend Soares, as always, awesome, engaging, interesting, just great. Yeah, I, I think we can have him on every single episode and we will never run out of things to talk about. I love his stories that he shares. And I always just leave feeling so inspired after speaking with him. Did, did I tell you, I think, sometimes I think I told my wife something and it's you and it's, I told you something, it's my wife. But did I tell you that Reverend Soares, that when my wife and I were getting married, um, as we do this program 22 years ago, uh, you've been married how long, Mary? 20... Uh, 23 years. Yeah, 23 years. Actually, no, that's a lie. 24 years. There it don't is. Tell them. <laughs> yeah, okay, we have our 25th that. wedding anniversary next year. Can you believe it? I love it. Um, just make sure you know the date so you don't screw that up. It's 25 know, years. You, well, I know the date, but it just, well, I don't know why in my defense, we're taping now, it's June 26th and my anniversary was just on June 19th. So that's why I get a little bit of a pass. So it just turned to the 24 years. We well, ours, ours was June 24th. Not that anyone cares, but here's no cares. Uh, my wife and I. Do you know that it was Reverend Soares that gave us marital counseling? I had no idea that you either A, needed, oh, wait, so you have to do that before you get married, you mean? Or you just did it because you thought it was the right, healthy thing to do? Nope. We did it because we were supposed to. And oh. I wanted to go to someone whom I had great respect and trust for. And we went to his, I was going to say his parish because uh, I was born and raised Catholic. Yeah. But uh, his congregation, we sat with him several times at the church. That's amazing. And he talked to us about marriage and relationships. And, and that's why you're still together now, 22 years later. A big part of it. I mean, yeah. just, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to. Um, I'm sorry, Mary, could, uh, we'll switch gears. There's no segue here. Sponsors. No segue. Yeah. So I want to start, go to our website, stand-deliver.com. We have tons of free articles up there, chapters from Steve's books. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. We have Prager Metis, Choose New Jersey, Valley Bank, New Jersey Sharing Network, International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, Seton Hall University and the Bacino Leadership Institute, Northward Center, Veolia, Fedway, and Delta Dental of New Jersey. Yes, you're going to see them at the beginning and the end of the show, but we just love to do those verbal shout outs because each and every one of those uh, organizations make the show possible. So thank you so much. Good stuff. Hey, Mary, real quick. Uh, there's a bunch of leadership inspirational quotes that uh, you and I talk about talking about, but we don't, we yep. don't get to it because there's so much other stuff. The great Joseph Campbell, by the way, for those of you who don't know Joseph Cam Campbell, look him up. One of the most impactful and important series on PBS was Joseph Campbell. And it was done, I think in the eighties, nineties, but check mm -hmm. it out. This is from Joseph Campbell, professor and writer. We must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Yeah. Ahead, I mean, Mary. you want to talk about powerful stuff. Oftentimes we all go into our lives, whether it could be, I know we only have a minute, Elvin, but we can go into our day, <laughs> the week, things are going to change. You need to make sure that you understand and embrace what the universe is telling you. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy and corny, but I truly believe in that because a lot of things are outside of our control, including what we think we want for our lives, whether it's professional, personal, friends, family. But once you let go of that and then you embrace what's really right there, I believe that's what he's saying. And, you know, I've said this so many times, but you have a game plan. And again, I, I want us to bring back our friend Eric Legrand. Eric Legrand, who played at Rutgers 2010, injured in a game against Army. Um, 
and his life was changed after that um, because he was paralyzed. He had a plan. The plan was to play in the NFL. That plan went away, and he's doing incredibly impactful and important things. It's the life, not that he planned, but that he took the initiative to have and make a difference for others. Uh, that's it. Elvin says goodbye. For, for Mary, myself, Elvin, and the team, Lessons in Leadership. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia. More than water. Resourcing the world.